0: Hello and welcome to the EG Property Podcast with me, EG Editor Sam McLeary. Today's podcast is a little warm up for those of you tuning into Cretech NYC, the biggest gathering of real estate and tech firms which takes place in New York City from Wednesday 12th of October to Thursday the 13th of October. I'm headed out there and will be aiming to send back a few letters or maybe podcasts from America. But to get us in the mood, what better than a sit down with Fifth Wall's Brendan Wallace? In this 45-minute chat, we talk about the growth of fifth wall, the coming of age of PropTech, and ponder whether with the unique role that the built environment has to play in the environmental survival of the planet, PropTech will eventually evolve into climate tech. And Brendan shares his thought on what will be the big topics of conversation at this week's CreeTech conference. Enjoy.
1: So Brendan Wallace. Fifth Wall, we spoke a little while ago, we're trying to remember, I think it's probably 12 months uh, months ago, a lot has changed, probably even in the last six months, not just the last 12 months, but really keen to get a little bit of an update from you actually about how, how life is in, in Fifth Wall, what you're seeing in terms of how real estate is interacting with with tech, and obviously really, really keen to talk to you about um, the climate fund that you have, and and actually the role of tech investment R and D, which I know is a big thing of yours in and in helping solve this really massive um, problem we have to solve in in saving the planet, and the role that real estate has in that. Big questions.
2: Exactly. It's a lot of it's a lot of ground to cover. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try. <laughs>
1: So do you want to start? Let's start at the top. Um, at what's life looked like now compared to, um, let's say, well, six years ago or so when you were just starting out. I think um, you talked to the um, to the Twitter sphere recently about the sort of the change in investment that there's been in in prop tech from four billion dollars to thirty two billion dollars and this massive growth. And you've been a big big part of that.
2: Yeah, I mean. I think there's been a few things that have changed. And I'll, maybe I'll talk non-specifically about fifth wall and then get into the fifth wall specifics later. But I think prop tech, the fact that we're even using this word and we can both expect to know that you know the other person understands it and that it probably roughly means the same thing, that's entirely new. When we started fifth wall, uh, prop tech wasn't a thing. In fact, we would get asked questions as to like, what is real estate tech? What does that even mean? Why is it important? Um, and that was the environment in 2016. And you know, I think in some small way, Fifth Wall and what we did, and other prop tech focused funds, and just the you know amount of capital that's gone into the space is kind of like institutionalized and simultaneously validated that prop tech is a real thing. I mean, when we started, I think about three billion dollars of private venture capital funding went into what we today call. Prop tech, last year thirty two billion went in, so the the space has you know massively grown, but at the same time, you know despite that growth, th- there's still a lot of um, there's a lot of daylight between how much capital should be going into prop tech and how much is. So if you just look like for example at you know share of GDP. Real estate is in most developed economies, certainly in the US and in the UK, but most developed economies, it's the single largest industry. It tends to be between 10 and 20% of GDP It's literally businesses and individuals paying their rent. So it's just, Mm -hmm. it's it's, it's massive. The next largest industry is financial services, which which is about 8%. So it's about one and a half times larger. And despite that, Fintech, which is obviously tech for the financial services industry, gets about 3x the venture capital funding of Prop Tech. So real estate is one and a half times larger and gets a third of the venture capital funding. That's today. That's in, you know, that's based on 2021 numbers. So, you know, it's still a systemically underfunded space. And this is largely because the real estate industry, because it's such a high, you know, gross margin business, has been able to um you know, just has kind of sat out like decades worth of innovation. And now it's begun to, and it's created an enormous amount of enterprise value. I mean, prop tech, the, the the if you look at the, the growth rate of prop tech businesses, they surpass pretty much any sector of venture, um, including fintech, actually. And so you've seen an institutionalization of it, um, and you've seen, I would say, enormous growth and kind of outcomes in the space. But we're still pretty underfunded because real estate is just—it's such a large industry, and there's so much tech to adopt. I'd say alongside that, you've also seen a recognition from real estate organizations, the largest real estate firms on earth, that you know, uh, engaging in the tech ecosystem and kind of broadly the innovation economy is really core for their business. When we started at Fifth Wall, we would you know, oftentimes get questions from our like strategic investors, real estate owners, which would be something like, why would I invest in tech? I'm a real estate company. I build buildings, I rent buildings, I, you know, repair buildings, I maintain buildings, but I don't do tech. And there's no, my investors don't want me to do tech. We almost never hear that. I think that is a, (laughs) that's a, you know, if we do hear it, you can assume that CEO probably won't be there for a very long period at this point. So there's been a recognition amongst the real estate world and the largest real estate firms in particular, that tech is existential. And this is true of every industry. This is not specific to real estate. It's just real estate recognized that reality maybe a little late. So it's been, you know, over the last five years. Um, and there's some other dynamics that I can dive into there about like how real estate organizations should do tech. And obviously we're biased. We have a, a particular model of how we work with corporates, but that's changed as well.
1: Yeah, I'm keen to hear from you what the questions the um, property companies ask now um, around tech. Are they they've clearly become more more savvy, but are they are there still questions that they get stuck on and they want answers to, or is it more about what's the tech that I need? Where where should I be investing, or are there, is there still some you know is it still a bit foody to them?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's kind of three varieties of what we used to get asked. And I'm just focused on prop tech, not climate tech at this point, but like step one was very much, uh, kind of fear, which is, oh, okay. You know, tech is coming. Tech's a disruptor. I don't want to be disrupted. I need to do tech. I don't know how to do tech. Here's a solution to kind of do tech. Um, meaning it it was very, I wouldn't call it emotional, but it was very kind of reactive. Mm. Um, more than you know, very tactically thought out, and that was a big part of the initial boom in in prop tech funding. The the next was kind of um, very much like a spot solution. Like I have this problem in my organization. I want you know better access control or better tenant engagement or whatever. Better you know asset management tech that does this or that thing. Is there a tech that does that? Show me the tech that does that. And. Obviously, there was a lot of technology that did do that in different ways and shapes and flavors. But then that kind of begat the the third uh, wave, which is it's not enough to just simply, you know, expose a real estate company to a technology and expect that the rest of it is downhill. And you know, you can kind of integrate that technology. There's a there's a kind of organizational self awareness that next comes, which is oh, it's really hard to integrate this technology. And I need to make my organization um, kind of technology ready and um, flexible and adaptable and have the right teams and the right incentives in place to truly adopt technology. And I would say we're kind of at that stage now. And some some firms are quite good at it. Some firms are just learning how to do it. I mean, the decision to do tech is kind of all three of them. There was a fourth, which was maybe more of an objection than a than a, Hey, I I should do this, which was more something you just see in the real estate industry, which is, I I can do that myself. I don't need uh, to do venture capital to do that. We get plenty of technology. And I think, I think everyone recognizes it's very hard to get access to the best technology if you're not investing. That's just, I think now pretty broadly understood. Um, And then there's a related question of, well, should I do the investing myself and, it's not to suggest that's a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. It just doesn't tend to go very well in large real estate organizations. It's very hard to like run a real estate business well and simultaneously have kind of a sideshow as a a kind of you know upstart v- venture fund. And so you see a lot of kind of like starting those up, announcing them very in a very high-profile way, and then they kind of unceremoniously shut them down. A lot of them are being shut down right now, as you might imagine. So the kind of wave of DIY, do-it-yourself venture capital, is also, um, I think, on the way out. Mm-hmm. But those are some of the things we heard at the beginning. Um, but what's interesting, and, and this is actually one of the things I was reflecting on in, you know, in, in I guess, the, the the follow-up to our LP conference is that what's also happened, which was not totally our intent at Fifth Wall, but um, maybe it was in the back of our heads, so it wasn't front and center, was this idea of like, the consortium of fifth wall now, where our first fund had seven strategic investors. It was CBRE, Heinz, Host Hotels, Equity Residential, Mace Rich, Lenar. Like we had kind of one major US real estate organizations from real estate organization from every major subsector of the industry. Now we have 110. And in most subsectors, we'll have probably, you know, five of the top 15 largest. Real estate owners uh, in the U.S. and globally from 16 different countries, and so the kind of gravity of having so many corporates already working with Fifth Wall and the pattern recognition of Fifth Wall working with them so many times over, kind of confers a benefit to our, our firm and to the real estate corporates that are part of that consortium, where we can just share what we've seen, what works, what what's best, what isn't, um, and that's been kind of a benefit. Where it's it, it's now like. Fifth Wall is kind of the um, or a safe choice because you can come into our funds for a quantum of capital that would be far too small to start your own venture fund with, and you can, you know, rely on the fact that we have a, obviously a very strong track record of identifying these businesses, and we have all these other corporates that have probably encountered the same exact problems that you know our corporates are encountering. So we've kind of seen the problem many times over. We have a lot of reps. Uh, a lot of practice at yeah. doing it. that's all kind of new and that's been interesting to see
0: do you feel
1: any kind of um responsibility i suppose as a bit of a custodian of those all of those um partners that you've got in this this you know massive shift change that there is happening in in real estate and still a lot more to to go do you feel that you know because you've got them all together you you know what you're doing, you've been doing this a long, long time. They need a little bit of help. They probably need to talk to each other a bit more. Do you do you take that as a bit of a sort of a, a sort of a purpose for fifth wall as well as investing and bettering the real estate industry in, in you know through technology and investment?
2: Absolutely. And and I I don't think that there's much of a divergence between like what's the right thing to do from an investment perspective and being not just fiduciaries of capital, but kind of fiduciaries of trust for our corporate LPs. Real estate is a very high trust industry. It's based on trust. It's based on relationships. And I would say real estate tech or real estate venture capital is no different. And so Fifth Wall has cultivated these relationships now over years, you know, across many different funds. And that's kind of the bedrock. That high trust relationship is the bedrock through which we can help distribute our technologies. Because without that, Relationship—it's you can't just kind of hawk technologies to these, you know, a group like British Land or a group like Heinz or a group like Equity Residential. These are some of the largest real estate organizations on earth, and so they have to trust that we're not just, you know, fiduciaries of capital, but we're fiduciaries of their confidential information. Of you know, we really care about making them better as an organization, and I think we've earned that. Um, so yeah, we do see ourselves as as, you know, strong, I don't know, as being, as having to be not just diplomatic and like a um, being nice to be nice, but just being thoughtful about like how we engage with them. But the interesting thing is that that's very hard to create, meaning building a very high trust relationship with a large REIT in Europe or a large REIT in the US takes years. And we take that very seriously because that's hard for another firm to replicate, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's very easy for us to lose um, if we do something wrong, but it's very hard for, you know, uh, another venture capital fund to replicate. So it's one of the assets I see at Fifth Wall. And so we invest a lot in it. We have a dedicated team that focuses on our corporate LPs. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's, it's, a, it's a complex relationship. It's different than most venture funds who just raise money from their LPs and send them a letter once a quarter. Um, Because for us, the reason we get access to such high quality deals, the reason we have such a big brand in the space is not just because of Fifth Wall. It's because we kind of stand in front of so many of, you know, the largest users and consumers and partners of the technologies that we're investing in on, on the other side. And if entrepreneurs didn't believe that those relationships were credible or useful, we would cease to be able to get access to the deals that that we have so yeah it's a it's a i wouldn't say it's fragile but it's a it's a it's a um it's a position we take very gravely um and we invest a lot in is is being a, a steward for everything for our corporates not just their capital but their reputations and you know maintaining that high trust relationship
1: yeah yeah it's, it's a it's a big responsibility. And, and I want to stick with the word responsibility, actually, because you mentioned um, earlier on your um, climate tech fund. And obviously, we have a huge responsibility to this planet of ours. And real estate plays a big role in not looking after it, but it can play a really big role in looking after it as, as well. And I wonder if you can talk to us a little bit about, about the climate um, fund you were just setting up last time we we spoke where you're at with that, why climate tech is so important in in solving um, the environmental problems that we we face.
2: So yeah, I guess a lot to unpack there. I mean, the (laughs) the first is, I just want to underscore what you said. Um, Real estate has a role to play. It's the single biggest role. Uh, The real estate industry decarbonizing is more important than the transportation industry decarbonizing, more important than agriculture, more important than manufacturing. It is the single largest. CO2 emitter of any industry. And that's true basically universally, any country you go to. Um, so real estate is this, it's this, it's, it's, the, it's the single biggest and most important lever the world can turn on fighting climate change. Now that reality hadn't dawned on regulators, it hadn't dawned on capital markets, it hadn't even dawned probably in the tech ecosystem for quite some time. And I would say equally so, it hadn't necessarily dawned on real estate organizations. Um, And there's a bunch of reasons why. And I think we talked about some of them last time. Capital markets pressure, uh, local and federal and international regulation, and even the tenants themselves, right? Demanding that their landlords adhere to certain standards. So the the responsibility uh, has been thrust on the real estate industry. Like this is the real estate industry's kind of make or break decade. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a problem embedded in the fact that the real estate industry hadn't done a lot historically, which is that a lot of the tech that's required to decarbonize, everything from materials tech to building systems technology to now the imperative to, you know, basically charge a whole bunch of EVs at real estate assets, which is basically mm-hmm. the the future of decarbonizing the whole transportation industry, it hinges on real estate. So all this responsibility has been thrust on real estate owners. Um and because real estate-related climate tech has been pretty systemically underfunded, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, wood to chop, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of ground to make up. To put this in perspective, real estate is 40% of global CO2 emissions. The operations of assets is about 29%, and construction is another 11 So it's larger than transportation, like I said, larger than manufacturing, where a lot of the focus is. However, if you look at venture capital funding in the climate space, only about 6% of climate venture capital goes to real estate related technologies, technologies the real estate industry could adopt to mitigate its CO2 impact. So you have this systemic underfunding. And to me, that was just shocking right um and you know we were rewinding the clock to i guess our first conversation fifth wall was sitting in this unique position you know where we were the largest prop tech fund we had all these relationships we were hearing from our corporate lps that they cared more about this particular issue but there was still no funds in the space doing it they weren't really doing it and so we just saw an opportunity for fifth wall to build a solution where we were it would almost be a, a way for the whole industry to come together pool its capital and say everyone's rooting for winning technologies. This isn't about you know one real estate firm adopting the best carbon sequestering concrete and keeping their peers from doing it. Everyone is rooting for the whole industries and their peers success. So there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a level of like climate collegiality that we're seeing in uh, real estate related climate investing that, that almost we didn't see in prop tech. <laughs> and I think that lends itself to a fun solution. Kind of a, a consortium based fund solution. So we announced our first climate fund. Um, we announced it this summer. It was a five hundred million dollar fund. Uh, it invests in everything to decarbonize the real estate industry. So that is you know renewable energy on premise, off premise. It's materials tech. You know concrete, glass, steel. It's construction, modular construction. It's building systems technology. It's EV charging. It's microgrids. It's reg tech around carbon reporting. And actually, it's now even investing broadly into carbon markets, which is there's a whole bunch of carbon debt that the world has to basically pay down post-industrial revolution um, that is is actually like very incumbent on the real estate industry to work through because it touches on land and reforestation. So there's a lot of strategic value there. Um, and I think what we've been thrilled with is that that number is is a huge increase in um. You know, how much the real estate industry had historically put into real estate tech. It was It's very hard to estimate that number. We tried to estimate it based on public filings. And I don't know if we knew this stat when we last spoke, but we looked at like 10 years worth of public filings from real estate companies and how much they were investing into the tech to decarbonize, the R&D, the actual tech. And it was less than a hundred million dollars, which is pretty small, right? There's, there's some buildings in, in London that are worth more than that. Um, There's some probably parking garages in London that are worth more than that. So... <laughs> so uh, it was a shockingly small number and yes 500 million dollars our first fund sounds quite large but it's it's truly a drop in the bucket of what has to go into the space it's estimated that to decarbonize just in the us the commercial building stock all the buildings that we already have that are built today it's going to cost 18 trillion dollars a tiny bit less than one year of us gdp We probably have to do that over the next 20 years. So one year of GDP over the next 20, you can safely assume, is going to go into CapEx to retrofit our buildings. And unfortunately, a lot of the materials and a lot of the technologies that are going to be a part of that CapEx don't even exist today. Therein lies the problem. And that is what we hope our climate tech fund to be at least a part of the solution to. But this is the space you could put probably ten billion dollars, twenty billion dollars into, and it still wouldn't be enough. So um, we're pushing very hard to, um, you know, build this consortium of real estate organizations that care about this problem.
1: And it's a massive number, isn't it? Eighteen trillion dollars, and and five hundred million is also a bit, a big big number. What do you, what do you hope that that the impact that that five hundred million dollar fund can can have can it start attracting more people to invest in uh, climate tech? Can it show? Can it um, change the way that we build, manage, operate buildings in a way that inspires others to follow suit? Is it you know kind of can one small step I suppose sort of change? Have a ripple effect and 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 get to that eighteen trillion without raising eighteen trillion dollars.
2: Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, yes. I, I, I mean, uh, I would say to, to all of those things. One part of it is, of course, investing into the tech that will help the real estate industry in the near term, like in the next five years, actually reduce CO two emissions. This is everything from, and it's actually working today. We have a company, for example, Turntide that we invested in that is more efficient HVAC motors. Just pumps the same amount of hot and cool air through a building, but 30% less electricity. Super simple, immediately adoptable, commercially viable, very fast payback period. Um, Invest in that technology, prove it out, that's one part of the problem, and use that to kind of build a demonstrable track record of of success. I think another part of it is, um, I, I guess broadly, get the real estate industry to internalize it's responsibility. Mm. And the fact that we had so many of the world's largest real estate corporates, I mean British land from the UK invested, um, you know, investing in this fund, I think will inspire others. And we're already seeing that, meaning more real estate organizations are starting to see that they 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 need to do something here. They're, they're rooting for this technology just like the whole world is. Um, it just lacks funding. And that's that's what we hope our fund is at least a partial solution to. And then I think you're also seeing like major capital allocators um so some of the largest capital allocators to the real estate industry um they're recognizing that they have a lot of exposure to this problem um and that's i, I use the word exposure broadly it's of course literal exposure right real estate is in some ways one of the most threatened asset classes because you can't move the assets functionally so It's exposed to, you know, major climate events. So that that's one kind of dynamic to it. Another part of it is regulation, right? Regulation is, I I think it's safe to assume that like every year from here on out for the next 20, climate regulation is likely to increase, not decrease. Um, And you'll probably see that most acutely at a local level. And real estate, again, is a very hard industry to move. So if you don't like the local regulations in London, you can't move your building. To the Netherlands, or you can't move your building to the U.S. or wherever. So there's that, and I think they're starting to allocate um, a a lot of capital to the space because they see this kind of structural imbalance, like how much needs to go into these assets, and we need the technology to exist. Um, But it's you know it it for me it's inspiring because it's it's the industry coming together to solve a problem. Um, but there's just so much more capital needed. And, you know, of course I'm an optimist or I I wouldn't, you know, be an entrepreneur and and start a a venture fund to to pursue helping to mitigate this. Um, But I'm also realistic in the sense that it takes time and it takes money. And I think, you know, real estate organizations that, don't understand that investing into climate tech and climate infrastructure is going to be a huge part of where their capital goes in the coming decades they're just on the wrong side of history um and that that reality is happening it, it, it's i wouldn't say it's universal it's not but um it's very different than when we started this fund when we first spoke two years ago on this it, it's it's quite different today um so I'm optimistic, I would say, um, cautiously optimistic that we can make a, a big difference here.
1: And you said, talking of optimism, you said first fund. Does that mean there'll they'll be more down the line? Are you already looking? Uh,
2: absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, there's, there's, a, there's a near limitless opportunity for the tech, uh, meaning this is literally a space that we'll consume tens probably hundreds of billions of dollars of climate uh, venture capital specifically related to the real estate industry and we're the largest fund in the space at 500 million dollars so th- th- there's just going there's a need for more capital um, we, we can't talk about uh future funds uh there's just regulation around that um <laughs> but we do believe this is a massive opportunity and I think you're seeing more real estate organizations get this. You're seeing more capital allocators get this. And I also think this is a, I mean, beyond the altruism of it, like it's the right thing to do. Um, it is hundred percent the right thing to do, but it also happens to be a really interesting and I think compelling economic opportunity, which is the real estate industry is going to spend that money. They are not, not going to spend it. So there's very few instances in, you know, economic history where you could say, sure as rain, one industry is going to spend one year's worth of US GDP on something. Hmm. A lot of the stuff they're going to buy, a lot of the tech, a lot of the materials that they're going to buy as part of that 18 trillion doesn't even exist yet. And so now there's an opportunity to invest at the earliest stages in like the big buckets of where that 18 trillion is going to go. You know carbon negative or carbon neutral steel carbon negative or carbon neutral concrete glass building systems technology hvac water cooling like all of these things are just massive buckets that you know if you can predict the winning solutions there's just gonna be a lot of demand from the real estate industry um and that's that's i think exciting that that's a, that's a tailwind to the space which is there's there's there's, there's an enormous economic opportunity alongside um, the altruism.
1: Yeah, and you said there's there's a lot of the tech that doesn't exist yet that will need to exist. Are you optimistic that there are the entrepreneurs out there to come up with the ideas for that for the tech solutions for for buildings and and climate change?
2: There's there absolutely the entrepreneurs. um There's an abs. There's a shortage of capital, which is which is why there's such a big economic opportunity. Right, you have you have a lot of entrepreneurs that truly care about these problems that have developed really unique really compelling solutions but most technology requires this is what venture capital does right it's supposed to invest in technologies that at earlier stages right to prove out their viability prove that they work and hopefully become big businesses this is what venture capitals this is this is the this is the i don't know the 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 specialization of labor in capital markets, this is what venture capital does. It invests into these very kinds of technologies. And in this case, it's, like I said, materials building systems, like it, it's, it's, it's hard it's hard materials, it's atoms actually that, are, that you're investing into. Many of these companies are not today um, either capable of mass producing um, the tech that they have. Um, they're not capable of distributing it at scale. And in some cases, they just need to invest more into the tech itself to prove it out further. But with only 6% of climate venture capital going into real estate tech, real estate related technologies, that's a problem. So we need, you know, more capital needs to go into the space. Um, so I guess any real estate owners that are that are listening to this, it, it's not that any one real estate owner has to do you know that has to solve this that's not the i think that's not the the message but it's that cooperatively and collectively the real estate industry absolutely can there's more than enough capital in the real estate industry to solve this problem it just kind of um it entails overcoming a collective action problem and i think the hook even if you're to even if you're a climate change you're an actively climate change denying owner of a real estate company, even if you were that, nonetheless, this capital is going to be spent, right? And so it's an economic opportunity. And I think you can kind of pick either or both of the imperatives to invest. And I think they're very compelling. Um, So hopefully, that'll be worn out. But yes, we intend to do a lot more in the space.
1: Excellent. Good to hear. It's really interesting as well about the, you know, there is the capital out there, but how we get it into these um climate into climate tech we had a um uh eg tech breakfast uh, in london um a couple of months ago now and some um lucky ahmed i don't know if you know him from climate x was uh you know he put his hand up and said it's our fault that we're not getting all of this investment because we're not telling the story um passionately enough you know people have made um told really good stories about, oh, you need to invest in last mile logistics because that's the future. You know, we're all gonna shop online, so we need last mile logistics, but no one's telling that same story about climate tech and actually climate tech is the future.
2: That's a great point. And I think it's it's kind of a, it's, it's a compound problem. Like there's, I mean, in kind of the climate drama, there's a lot of focus on raising awareness, right? About the issue and awareness is good. Um, but on its own, it's not necessarily uh, useful or actionable because the, the awareness needs to translate into action. Um, and you, of course, you're seeing a lot of this today. I, I would hope for more. But also when that awareness is to the consumer, right, the, to, to, to individuals, right, even if they vote a certain way or they elect to recycle or buy an EV we're kind of testing the limits of how far awareness and consumer behavior change or kind of voting direction change can actually drive a solution here and I'm not sure it's the entirety of the solution and so a lot of what we focus on is instead corporate awareness which is um, as opposed we're not necessarily trying to like raise awareness of this issue to to consumers of course if that's a you know uh, kind of I don't know, Additional benefit, that's great. But what we're really focused on is is the real estate organizations themselves. How do we raise awareness from them? Because they have the capital, meaning it's it's kind of linking awareness to action, to capital. Because so much of the problem here is a systemic underfunding of tech to decarbonize. Meaning you could be as aware as possible of this problem. Like you understand it entirely. But if more capital doesn't go into climate tech to decarbonize the real estate industry, awareness won't reduce the CO2 emissions. We actually need capital into the space. So, of course, awareness is the antecedent thing we are hoping for, but it's a necessary but not sufficient um, motivator for us. Like we actually need capital to solve this problem. The whole world needs capital to solve this problem.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. And I like that, you know, awareness won't, won't solve this. And I think, you know, for for some people, capital sometimes a dirty word, isn't it? And actually, um, it cannot be in this case. It's great that everyone knows what the planet needs, knows what we need to do. But uh, you, uh, as you said, unless you put your hand in your pocket and do something about it, it's not going to happen.
2: And this is universal. This is, this is both across, you know, if you think about, the the opportunity in this space one part of it is like how do we create the economy and create you know modern civilization using buildings using homes exactly as we have using less electrons or cleaner electrons electrons that came from cleaner sources right or more renewable sources that's a huge imperative and you could spend lifetimes solving just that problem alone however that's not the only problem that we have to solve the other part of the problem is There's a whole bunch of CO2, right? We effectively aerosolized a whole bunch of CO2 and we've been doing so since the Industrial Revolution by burning dead plants. And that is another big problem because that represents both a kind of liability that we almost, it's like debt we have to pay down. And in particular, I think the real estate industry hasn't internalized how much it in particular will be paying down that debt. So when you look at you know, large organizations, whether they're real estate or not, and they make these very bold carbon zero claims, what they're effectively doing is saying, we're either going to be truly carbon zero at some point in the future, 2040, 2050, whenever it is, or we're going to make up the difference by buying offsets. Um, And I know offsets have kind of a a, a mixed reputation, but kind of table that for, for a second. That's one way they're going to do it. There's a limited supply of these offsets, right? We, we can't build a whole bunch more of us and cover it with trees. <laughs> so there's a limited supply to these offsets, at least nature-based offsets today. And the real estate industry, as one of the kind of most visible industries that has effectively made these announcements, is effectively shorting carbon, therefore, because they're saying we're going to be carbon neutral, but a lot of the tech to become carbon neutral doesn't exist today. So of course, we're you know investing in and rooting for the technologies to come along that, that do that. But if it doesn't come along or they don't adopt it for whatever reason, they can get there by carbon offsets, but they're going to have to buy those carbon offsets. And today they're cheap, but there's growing demand and relatively fixed supply. What does that typically mean? That means the price is going to increase, right? It's like a forward curve in the price of negative carbon. And since you're making these commitments very far out, it's effectively like a short position, right? And you have to close out that short position any year that you can't actually meet your carbon zero goals. So the real estate industry has a massive liability around negative carbon. Um, and we're looking at ways to help the real estate industry mitigate that. Um, there are opportunities on the reforestation side. Um, there's opportunities in more kind of mechanical industrial technologies as well. And we're interested in all of that because the real estate, this is a whole other part of the problem that is sometimes lumped in with climate tech. um but it's it's got its own complexities and it, its own intricacies it's literally an entire capital market right it's effectively like kind of a almost privatized capital market tax on businesses and individuals for the carbon intensity the non captured externalities of whatever it is they're buying or selling right it, so that's a whole other and I would say, in some ways, almost a more academically challenging part of uh, you know, uh, helping the real estate industry get out of the position it's in today, which mm-hmm. is how is it going to navigate the increasingly complex and increasingly expensive carbon capital markets dynamics of the price of negative CO2, acquiring it in the future is surely going to get more expensive. And the real estate industry has a lot of liability there.
1: Listening to you speak and and sort of going back to the start of our conversation where we were talking about prop tech, I actually wonder how far away we are from not talking about prop tech anymore. And when we talk about tech in a real estate sphere, we are only talking about climate solutions or climate tech. Do you think think that's the the future or will there always be prop tech?
2: um there, so it's a great question I, I don't know exactly how to answer it because i i know exactly what you're asking and i or I think i know what you're asking which is today we talk about prop tech and we just talked about climate tech and to some extent they're one and the same in some respects um in other respects they're 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 not and it, it, it's it's kind of confusing to like disambiguate those two things because there are companies that we've invested in out of our PropTech fund that have derivative climate benefits. Like one example is actually a company we did out of our fund, our second fund, which was called SmartRent, which is basically smart devices, a kind of hardware agnostic smart device management system for multifamily buildings. And as you can imagine, it has the derivative benefit of reducing the energy consumption you know, per unit uh, of multifamily buildings. But the company is, is not really... It, it does it does have that it does have that as part of its positioning but it is largely a, a a solution that renders complexity reduction for property managers across you know assets and portfolios and it's a convenience driver for consumers and a benefit to them so the fact that it saves energy is i wouldn't say is the, is the, is the very core of it it's almost a derivative benefit and so we did that of our prop tech fund so that's a core example because you could justify making that very same investment in smart rent
0: mm-hmm. from
2: a climate imperative or a prop tech imperative there are other technologies where you really have to squint to see the the climate benefits um and obviously on the climate side there's this kind of added complexity of real estate is actually the linchpin of so many industries like real estate is at the center of the economy the whole economy happens indoors. So when we buy things, when we consume things, when we create the service economy, when we create goods in factories, when we move them around through industrial assets, we buy and sell homes, it's all, we're we're touching on real estate. So there's no way to decarbonize the economy without also decarbonizing real estate, because it's kind of the the keystone of of the economy, of the modern economy. And so I, I do think there will be a way in which, you know, I would say we'll probably talk more about real estate related climate tech, but I actually think that the conclusion is is almost different. It's that climate tech is basically the decarbonization of the real estate industry, <laughs> right? Meaning we could have all EVs all across the world and everyone could be eating carbon negative burgers and, you know, using recyclable plastics and we still wouldn't get there, right? We still wouldn't meet the UN goals the real estate industry is the single biggest lever. So I think you're going to see a systemic change in almost the the positioning and the complexion of climate tech where real estate is going to take much more of a center stage. Like climate, real estate is going to subsume most of the climate venture capital space, just definitionally because it's been so underfunded. Um, But it's a really interesting question. Um, I certainly think um, it will not, I certainly think it will be talked about more and more and more and that the line between prop tech and climate tech will get blurrier and blurrier and blurrier. I'm not sure they'll ever totally be one and the same. I think that the, the, the nomenclature will, will, will always be somewhat distinct, even if the actual investment activities and companies can straddle both.
1: Sure. Sure. And, and so to, to round us out, it's um, pre-tech New York next week. Um I'm assuming Fifth Wall will be there. Yes. Um, yes. Excellent. Uh, you? What are you hoping? Well, actually, two questions here. What do you think people will be talking about most? And what do you want them to be talking about most? You know, we've got big investors in there, big propcos and the tech.
2: Well, first of all, will you be there? Just so you can I see will be there. Okay, so you can see whether my predictions are, are right or wrong. <laughs> I think what they'll be talking about most uh, is two things. Um, one is uh, which we haven't really talked about on on this conversation, but just like the broad retraction in you know capital markets for fast growing businesses, a lot of which are prop tech businesses, um, and just the implications that has for companies because those are very real, mm. uh, and the entire capital markets ecosystem just changed for for tech, and so I imagine. The significant portion of it will kind of dwell on all the intricacies there and the downstream dynamics, which are like interest rates are as high as they've been in a generation, um, and as a result, people are going to buy less homes, and when they buy less homes, the economy hurts, but specifically prop tech companies because they're so levered, you know, they have this kind of double convexity to 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 home buying, levered to home buying that, uh that it will have very serious implications for them. I expect one part of the conversation to kind of gravitate around all of those dynamics. I do think a big part of it will touch on climate as well. Um, Because when we sit down with real estate owners and we're having literally like probably hundreds of conversations a month with these large, very institutional real estate owners, it is it is the single most important thing they care about with respect to technology. I, I think the fact that it is so topical to the real estate industry is a really good thing. It goes back to something we talked about earlier, which is awareness is happening, right? There, It's gestating. It's like awareness is growing. Um, this conversation is a part of that. And, You know, a million other conversations are a part of that. But then it needs to translate into action, right? Which is, okay, we need to do something. And I imagine some part of the conversations will touch on that. And I hope some part of it then goes to the final step, or at least the next step, which is we need to allocate capital to the space. Um, Waving our hands and talking about it is good, but won't solve the problem, Um, you know, just changing our organization and, you know, changing our annual reports to focus on it is maybe a little better, but still won't solve the problem. We actually have to allocate capital to the problem. Uh, capital is the way out. Um, and I hope that is part of the conversation. Maybe if you're there, you can help instigate that a bit.
1: We'll make it part of the conversation.
2: I know we'll try to, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that's I hope that's where the conversation leads but I think it will be none the nonetheless a big part of Siri Tech.